This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. Report recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. He's cooler than Freddie Jackson drinking a milkshake. He's cooler than a polar bear's toenails. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, this week it's going to get so much less weak as a lead-in to Jurassic Park. We're going to. We're going to do something fun. We're going to take a look at the top five dinosaurs of all the times. We're going to take a look at a, take a look at some movie that I saw. All sorts, all sorts of cool stuff. And plus, at the end, I got a personal story about a litter bug kid that I want you to, I want you to judge my ethics. It's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we, before we get to that, I got a new song from the incident pod B and engineer Emily. Let me, uh. Let me hit the one and twos for a sec. Ugh, I am a terrible DJ. All right, hit it. No matter who calls, we answer first ring. Mind on the money, baby, that's the first thing. Got your baby mama by her purse strings. Losing her to me wouldn't be the worst thing. I'm not the one and I'm not the two bro I'm the cat who gone make it do what it do bro And now you know, so act right This is the Toys R Us report We're not a blast from the past, we're a rumour from the future That much is definitely that, while we do... We do remember we had a blast in the past. We are, we are definitely on the future tip. This is me, Icy Robots, and I am back. That was, that was a super fun song. Thanks, guys. That, of course, was a takeoff on a, a famous Bun B rap. Bun B is far and away my favorite Southern solo rapper. I really like Outkast, and I do like, I do like some other dudes, but Bun B, Bun B is a legend. Let's, uh, let's see what's going on up here. I've been, I've been trying to get the latest. I've been trying to get some, uh, Get some details on these, on these Johnny coins. I don't know. I don't have any myself, but dude keeps tweeting about these coins. Everyone keeps talking about these coins, but I, I still, I still don't know if they've even hit the street. To be honest with you, I don't even know how to buy a cryptocurrency. I gotta, I gotta keep it real like that. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know how to get one if I was, if I was interested and I'm not, I'm not getting the kind of details that I would want from Johnny5, um, Let's, uh, I have Engineer Emily's in the back. She's been trying to get a hold of, um, A.B. Silver. We're going to see if we can get old good A.B. on the phone. Uh, Emily, any, any line on that? Yeah, I got him on the line. Please don't ask me to do that again. 
No? He is so gross the entire time I was on hold with his shit they were playing some song that I'm pretty sure was him singing that song under the boardwalk to a harmonica solo. Wait hold on, it was under the boardwalk with like a heavy harmonica solo? That sounds like the Bruce Willis version off uh, The Return of Bruno, his, his blues album, man. That is one of my favorite all-time records. Okay, dumb. That was too much information, man. Let me connect Silver. Emily out. Hello. I see robots. Are you there? Yeah, I, uh, I'm right here. Can you hear me there? There's some static on, on, on the line. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Hello. It is nice to talk with you. Yeah, 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 same. I, I, I've been trying to get a hold of you for a while, a while now. I am a very busy robot. Between the pirate ship and the Johnny Coins well, there aren't enough hours in the day for it all. Yeah, I bet, dude. That that pirate stuff must be must be a lot of work. Um, I'm glad you were able to, to make some time for us and for, for the show, more importantly. I am actually glad you called. There is something that I wanted to talk to you about. Oh yeah? What, what, what's that? I was hoping that maybe we could work out a deal to run an advertisement for Johnny Coins on your show. Yeah, we, we definitely take ads, but uh, you know, it can't be anything salacious. We're like, we're like a family-friendly kind of thing. And you gotta, you gotta be on the up and up to advertise with us. That would be great. While your audience is not as hip as we would like, we realize that older humanoids often have more money than younger ones, so we feel it might be a nice idea to try and persuade some of them to buy some Johnny Coins. Uh, I guess that makes sense. I, uh, yeah, I'll take the ad, I, I guess. I don't, I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, I'm letting you talk about Johnny Coins right here, right here anyway. That is great. What did you, um, like, what did you have in mind as far as placements uh, on, on the show? I was hoping to run the commercial during the show and maybe before. Mm, I don't, I, I don't know about before that, yeah, well, we, we could talk later and, and try to figure it out, I guess. Oh, yes. One more thing. I would like Engineer Emily to work with J5 on the commercial. She has made some nice bits for you in the past. No. Sorry, foo. There's no way that I am going to work with this foo. He is literally the worst. Sorry, no deal. Alright, AB, if that's what she feels, no deal. We're not... If she doesn't want to do it, there's no way we're going to do it. She's, uh, you know, she's a producer of the show, man. J5 thought that you might say that. So how about this? What if I have Johnny record these voiceover on the pirate ship and we send it to you for editing? You don't even have to see him. But I don't know why you wouldn't want to. He is a huge star and a phenomenal voiceover artist. No thanks. I don't even want to hear him. I am going to pass. Okay, dude, there you have it. She, she's gonna pass. We're, we're gonna pass on this. J5. Also thought that. You might say that. He knows you very well. You shut up. That creep doesn't know me at all. If you say so. Come on, A.B., lay off. Let, just negotiate with me. Johnny has authorized me to pay you 50,000 Johnny coins if you do it. How does that sound? 50,000? That's that's crazy, dude. That's a crazy amount of Johnny coins. If they if they go to the uh, the $1,000 that you thought, that's like millions of dollars. 50kj coins. That is a lot of crypto for someone of your sort. Someone of my sort? What is... What does that even mean? Look, I don't... 
I don't care how much it is, dude. It's like, if she doesn't want to do it, we're not going to do it. It's not, we're not that kind of operation, man. We don't, we don't need your coins. I will do it, but I want 60,000 coins and I want them on a secure thumb drive before I do the work. I also get final edit and the I want 10% of any projected income the advertisement is expected to add to the IPO. I want it all before I even hear his terrible VO. Very well. We have a deal. Jokes on you though. J5 authorized me to go as high as 65 coins. You need to learn to negotiate better. Emily, thank you. I know this must be difficult for you. I will send the voiceovers to you by the end of the week. Emily, you did not have to do that, man. We we get paid by the station. You don't you don't need a stupid Johnny coins, dude. You don't gotta do stuff you don't wanna do just cause just cause you think it might help the show or whatever, dude. We're doing fine. It's no big deal. I have worked with sleazy fools before. I was just trying to work a better deal for me. The commercial will be easy to do and 60J coins could turn out to be a nice windfall. Yeah, maybe. Do you think the Johnny coins are actually going to turn a profit or anything? I don't know, man. These fools have a way of making money off their stupid projects. Even that hopeless movie turned a profit. It's maybe 20 minutes work for me. I'm not sweating it. Well, that's a good attitude, dude. It's, you know, it's probably not a big deal for you. And it seems like, seems like sometimes we got endless time up here on the station. So... Let's, uh, let's move into the next segment of the show, a little segment we like to, we like to call, At The Movies. In a moment, At The Movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? At this secret hospital for criminals, they call him Everest. You know why they call him Everest? I think you do. He keeps the peace. You see that badge? That means I'm a healthcare professional. But on June 8th... You want the good news or the bad news? Let's start with the good news. There isn't any. There could be war. Am I going to make it out of here? I hope so. We can do it together. This is a real problem. Hotel Artemis. Visiting hours are never... In theaters June 8th. I have been looking forward to Hotel Artemis for a while, ever since, like, ever since I first started seeing the trailers. I I liked it in that I thought it was at least somewhat an original idea. The, the basic premise is that there is a hospital that operates exclusively for criminals on a subscription basis. It's like a, it's like an insurance service for the hardcore criminal types who might who might need to get a bullet pulled out of them. Think of, think of Marvel's Night Nurse and how, how she operates. This is, this seems as if it could be set inside of the, inside of the John Wick world. How in John Wick they have, they have that hotel. And in that hotel, you know, the criminals can go and they can hang out and they can do whatever they're going to do. But there, there are rules set down. The the Artemis is very much like that. The uh, the movie is set in the not too distant future in in good old Los Angeles. Now this is this is the Los Angeles that has been besieged by droughts. Now in California we do have a bit of a drought. We got a good we got a good amount of rain this past winter, but it's still it's still not quite enough. But in this in this Hotel Artemis universe there is. 
there is hardly any water and the water that is available is run by it's run by a private company that is that is limiting people's access and this this leads to water riots and the water riots are they're in full effect the night of the night of the movie and this is this is something that they're going to keep going back to in in the movie Hotel Artemis they're going to keep revisiting the idea of these water riots and the just like the overall effect that they're having on on the atmosphere that they're having on the on the night that this all this all goes down the movie stars the movie stars acting hall of famer Jodie Foster as well as a uh, former WWE superstar Dave Bautista who you might know from Guardians of the Galaxy he was he is he is Drax the Destroyer I got to I got to admit when when good old Bautista was back in the back in the WWE I wasn't I wasn't all that into him. He seemed like a big, like a big juiced up muscle head without a, without a lot of personality. But since he's gone to Hollywood, he is like, he has shown, he has great, just great comedic timing. He, he is turning into a very, very good character actor. And in this, he holds his own with Jodie Foster. They are in so many scenes together. He's Jodie Foster's assistant. And who would ever think someday when you're watching and you're back watching him with um with Reverend Devon when he was, you know, um what was his name? He was Deacon Batista. He was he was something like that. He had some sort of a like a like a religious gimmick. Who would have ever thought that this guy, who would have thought that the Leviathan from Ohio Valley Wrestling would someday be on the screen with Jody Foster holding his own. It sounded crazy, but it is now it is now officially true. He is He's really good in it as Everest the Orderly. And in this he he's actually acting. He has he has kind of like a like a cholo character sort of like a like an LA lowrider cholo kind of guy. He has that he has that kind of accent and that attitude and he pulls it off. He pulls it off really well. Dave Batista has become he's become quite a delight. Who else is in this movie? The guy who the guy who plays Paperboy on Atlanta is in it. Courtney B Vance is is in it, and one of my favorite actresses going right now, Sophia Batella, who you might know, she was in The Mummy, she played The Mummy, she was in, she got a, she got an Icy Robots Radio Summer Movie Award nomination for her, for her part, uh, as, what was her name, her name was Jayla, in the, in the last Star Trek movie, Star Trek Into the Darkness, is that what it's called, it's the one, it's the one where they land on a planet, and there's like an alien there, she played the alien, she is, She's somebody that I would like to see more of. She has such like a interesting look. She's um very, very alien looking. I can't think of another way to put it. She has this like these these drastic bangs and um she has like a butt chin. And I, I recall hearing somewhere she has some kind of like a circus Cirque du Soleil kind of gymnastics background and this enables her to like do karate and kung fu and just just be awesome in that role. She um she's the girl with the with the blades for feet in the Kingsman, and I, I always want to see what she's up to. She's somebody that I'm, I'm really enamored with at the moment, and she plays, she plays a gal who's at the top of the assassin game in this, and she's, she has one super terrific fighting scene. She has like a, has a hallway fighting scene that's reminiscent of the one. It's not nowhere near as brutal as the one in Atomic Blonde, but it is reminiscent of that and she more than holds her own she's throwing high kicks low kicks pump kicks punches to the face it was it was a lot of fun and I, I i really enjoyed watching it i had a good time i would uh i would consider getting the blu-ray 
of this of this movie. I've recently gotten into Blu-rays. I I don't know why all of a sudden, but but I am. I I'm picking them up at the at Joe Video. I get the I get the previously viewed Blu-rays, and I'm digging it. There's tons of them at the flea market too. Just this just this past week, I picked up the first Star Trek and X-Men Two, which is far and away the best of all the X-Men movies. I got Lady Bird. I got a bunch of them, but I would. I would consider picking up Hotel Artemis so I could get it for like five, ten bucks. You know how at um, you know how at like Walmart they had that bin of all the super cheap Blu-rays. If they had, they had Hotel Artemis in there a couple years from now. I would, I would consider getting it just for, just for this one fight scene alone. It um definitely bears revisiting. I, I did like this movie. I liked it. It was not as good as I thought it would be, and that. That, you know, was, it was a letdown, but in a lot of ways, it was better than I thought it would be. I expected lots and lots and lots of action, but there wasn't, there wasn't as much high-end action as I wanted. But Courtney B. Vance as, he's another guy who's a a high-tech criminal. He's a high, high high-level assassin type. He, he carries the movie, I would say, a bit more than Jodie Foster does. Jodie Foster is, he's definitely the star, but Courtney B. Vance is the, He's the heavy utility man. He he advances the story. And this guy, he's a better actor than I give him credit for. He is in This Is Us. Is that what it is? I don't I don't watch This Is Us. The wife loves it. He's in that and I don't know. I never thought he was a bad actor, but I definitely definitely am more fond of him now than I was before. He's great. The Charlie Day, is that his name from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, isn't it? He's he's pretty good. There is Jeff Goldblum is in it, he's, um, like a criminal mastermind known as the Wolf, he's in it, and I don't know, this movie was, um, pretty good, not great, if you're looking for some kind of, like, an afternoon time killer, you want to get out of the heat a bit, this is, this is, like, perfect for that kind of thing, so, on the good old-fashioned Source Magazine mic meter, with one being a dud, and five being an all-time classic, I'm going to go ahead and give Hotel Artemis three mics. First, light the candle, then choose an item that belonged to Grandma. Then read this out loud. It's to make things start. She isn't gone. I think my mother put a curse on us. Hereditary in theaters this Friday. And then the, uh, the second movie we saw this week is a movie known as Hereditary. This is, this is a horror film of the, of the highest order. It left me, left me feeling very, very unsettled. I, I carried this feeling with me, like, well into the evening. I, I would be hard-pressed to say that I liked this movie, but I would also, I would also have to say that it is, it's an excellent movie. It's very unsettling, very dark, very, very disturbing. It stars, it stars Tony Collette and Gabriel Byrne, and it's, it's very hard to explain what the, what the movie is about. It starts off, it starts off with Tony Collette's mother passing away, and she, she has uh, mental illness issues, and these, these issues are hereditary, and you you start to see them get passed down down to Tony Collette, and then down to down to their daughter. And it's 
It starts off as this, this very disturbing, very sad tale of a, of a family falling apart. Going into this movie, I did not know anything. I knew the movie was reviewing very well, but I did not know anything about the plot. So I am watching this and I'm thinking it's this movie about this family that is, that is falling apart because of Tony Collette's mental illness. And then... Then tragedy strikes, and then another tragedy strikes, and I'm watching it going, this is, this is an all new kind of wild horror story that I have never seen before, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling very upset, very unsettled by this whole thing. I'm like, part of me wants to leave, but part of me is like, I want to see how this is going to turn out, and then all of a sudden, it becomes, it becomes this other this other kind of supernatural tale, and that is, that is super scary too. I myself, I do like horror movies, but I don't go for the stuff with like ghosts and demons and stuff, and this, this delves off into that, into that category, but after, after watching this family like fall to pieces, and then you start to see, you start to see this other direction, you have, you have no choice but to like follow along and see and see what happens, and I don't want to, I don't want to give away any details about this, I don't want to blow anything for you, it, it's very dark, it's very disturbing, and if you are in to that kind of a thing, this is the movie for you, I know a lot of people don't go for horror films, I don't like all of them, like I said, I don't like ghosts, I don't like any of that kind of stuff, I do like, I like zombies, I like zombies, but once you start going into like, spiritual realms, I lose interest because I know that that stuff isn't real. I like to see movies where people are, they're like stalked by maniacs or where like crazy people are trying to get a hold of them. I guess you call that, you call that survival horror. I enjoy that kind of stuff way more than I enjoy supernatural horror. This movie though, while being supernatural horror was also horrible in that way that a good horror movie is the... The closest comparison I could make would be maybe, maybe Nocturnal Animals, which I saw last year, and in that, these horrible things happen to Jay Gyllenhaal's family, and they leave you feeling horrible. This movie is, is just like that. I like a movie that makes me feel good, but every once in a while, it's good to see a movie that makes you feel bad, and this is, this is definitely that. Toni Collette is amazing in this. She is such, she's such a good actor. You might know her from Muriel's Wedding. She is... She is at the top of her game in this, and so is Gabriel Byrne. This movie, this movie, while I cannot recommend it to just about anybody because it is so horrible. If you like, if you like to see horrible things happen, then by all means, go see this because this, this is that. I, the one thing that I don't like when I go see a horror film is that there, there is like a certain, a certain kind of chucklehead that is, that is drawn to horror movies, and do not take this to say that I am saying all dudes who like horror are chuckleheads, because nothing, nothing could be further than the truth, like, some of the coolest guys I know, dudes like Vic Sage and these guys, they're into horror films, so there's nothing, there's nothing inherently bad about a horror fan, but there is, there is a certain kind of, like, I don't even know how you would describe him. I think you know what I'm talking about. Somebody who, somebody who's going to see 
like the gore. They want to see the gore exclusively. And every time you go see a horror movie, there are always, there are always these kind of guys in there. And these kind of guys are the kind of guys who also like play with their phones during the movie, talk during the movie, and just, just whatever. And whenever I go see a horror movie, there's always, always a bunch of people like that. And this one, there were like a couple different phone users. I gotta, I gotta wonder, why is somebody paying to see a movie and then playing on their phone? Why would you do that? Why do you pay to go and then sit there on Facebook? It's weird to me. It's weird. I don't, I don't get it. But then there was also somebody, there was a mom who brought a baby like a little baby, like a like a baby that needs to be held in your hands. She brought a baby and like two kids, one I'm guesstimating to be maybe seven years old, and the other one, the other one could not have been older than ten. She brought them she brought them to this movie, and during the movie, I could hear one of the girls sobbing. I'm not kidding. I could hear one of the girls sobbing at some of the horrible things that were happening. I could hear the baby making these weird baby noises. The baby didn't know what was going on. The baby was annoying because you shouldn't bring a baby to a rated R movie. But bringing these kids, it like, it's like borderline child abuse. I could hear this girl sobbing at the things that were happening. It was very off-putting. And every time I go see a horror movie, something like this happens. I am going to say, do not bring your kids to see Hereditary. If you do, I don't want to judge, but I'm going to say... You might be a bad parent. You might need to look at yourself and say, why am I bringing a seven-year-old to a movie that features maybe five different decapitations? Why am I bringing a kid to this movie about a family that is falling to pieces? You gotta, you might want to look at yourself. I don't know. That's just me. I would not do it. I am not, I am not that type. The movie's presently sitting at 93 tomatoes. Good, uh, good old Rotten Tomatoes got it. Got it going through the roof, and I gotta say, I thought it was a good movie. I also gotta say, I never want to see even a second of it again. So, with all that said, I'm the good old-fashioned Source Magazine mic meter, with one being a dud, and five being an all-time classic. I'm gonna go ahead, and I'm gonna give Hereditary 3.5 mics. 3.5 mics. Scarecrow and Mrs. King will not be seen tonight, but will return next week at this time. All right, kids, simmer down because it's time for a very special list. I see robots top five dinosaurs of all the times. Enjoy. When I was when I was a youngster, when I was a young sprat, I was. I was into dinosaurs as much as, as much as the next guy, which is, which is to say quite a bit, a, a kid's, a boy kid, especially his attraction to dinosaurs is, is, it's like at times very immense. Some kids, some kids get deeply, deeply into it. Other kids, they only get a little bit into it, but even that, that kid that's on the, 
on the little bit tip, that amount of dinosaur learning, dinosaur thinking about, dinosaur whatever, would would be like almost almost a full-time job for an adult. It's it's pretty deep. I I was somewhere in the middle. I wasn't I wasn't the dinosaur kid, but I did I did definitely read more than five books about dinos when I was when I was in elementary school and with with Jurassic Park coming around again, I thought, why not take a look at some of those dinosaurs I used to spend so much time thinking about? I am, I'm doing my best not to do any, any research on this episode at all. And I know that, I know that's nothing to brag about, but I want it all to come right out of the dome piece. I want this to be like what I remember thinking about these dinosaurs. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to get into the mindset of a Binkley Elementary School young Young I see robots and what he what he was thinking when he was flipping through these these dino books. So with all of that said, let's let's move into it. Let's find out what is the number five dinosaur of all the times. Number five. Extracting species profile. Tyrannosaurus Rex, a genus of Coliosaurin theropod dinosaur. It was the last known member of the Tyrannosaurids, and among the last non-avian dinosaurs to exist before the Cretaceous-Paleogene extinction. Number five on the list is, it's T-Rex, the good old, the good old Tyrannosaurus Rex with its, with its little baby arms and its giant head and massive teeth, the the Tyrannosaurus Rex is is kind of like the king of the dinosaurs. It's the biggest one. It's the meanest one. It's like, it's the one that could murk all the other dinosaurs with just with one bite from those horrible fangs. But I have never been too deeply into the, into the T-Rex. Now, of course, of course, I absolutely respect the Tyrannosaurus Rex. I respect its place in nature. I respect... It's place in Jurassic Park, but those, those little baby arms are a major turnoff to me, and I never, I never got into him as much as, as much as some other kids. He's fine, he's cool, he definitely, definitely has his place, but he doesn't have, doesn't have a deep place in my heart. Some kids, some kids rightfully so love this one over all others, but to me, that's kind of front running, you know, that's like, I'm just gonna go ahead and I'm gonna pick the one that is... That is absolutely the best. That's like rooting for Hulk Hogan. That's like, that's like being a Yankees fan. That's like, that's like rooting for the Patriots, even though you don't, you don't live in New England. It's just not what I am all about. And I, I got to admit, a lot of times I like the, uh, you know, I like the underdogs. I like the, I like the second banana. I like the guy who is the sidekick to the guy, not so much the guy. But, um, Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know, it's cool if I had to... If I had to pick a dinosaur, I'd least want to run into, and I will admit, I don't really want to run into any of them, but if I had to, if I had to pick one that I least wanted to run into, it would, it would be the Tyrannosaurus Rex. It could just reach down and just one chomp, just chomp me entirely up. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be the meal. I am, I am like the thing you would eat when you start to feel a little bit peaked. I'm not even, I'm not even the Snickers. I might be the handful of peanuts that you that you sometimes get when you're just, you know, you're not really hungry. You're not hungry enough for even like, even like a Snicker bar or like a banana. But you do, you do want a little pick-me-up. I would be, I would be that thing. I would be the thing that increased his hit points back up 5%. Not, 
not all the way. So the T-Rex, the T-Rex is definitely, definitely a lethal beast, but not one of those that's deeply in the heart of your boy Icy Robot. So those, those arms, those arms are weird, and you gotta admit, his head is, his head's not that cool looking. He doesn't have a horn, he doesn't have a spike, he doesn't have, doesn't have a fin down the middle, and I, I will admit, he does not need any of those things. He's the ultimate, the ultimate killing machine that's probably ever walked the earth. But, uh, he doesn't do it for me as much as, as much as our number four dino on the list. Let's, uh, let's hop into it and see what that is. Number four. Extracting species profile. Brachiosaurus is a genus of large sauropod dinosaur. It weighed up to an estimated 56 metric tons. The Brachiosaurus is your number four dinosaur of all the times. And when I when I put the Brachiosaurus on here, I am also including the Brontosaurus. This is this is what we this is what it kind of turns out we thought the Brontosaurus was back in the day. That's something that's something I'll talk about in a in a in a little bit. But the the Brachiosaurus is the dinosaur that you would think would be the main feast for the Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's the one if you pictured a if you pictured a gigantic battle of two dinosaur beasts, if you wanted the if you wanted the ultimate fight, this would be what you would have. Now, the Brachiosaurus was a herbivore. It wasn't like the wasn't the kind of dinosaur that would go out there looking for trouble. It wouldn't be like I'm looking to eat up on some uh, some pterodactyls. This is the guy minding its own business, but is also it is also so massive that if if outraged, it could decimate everything. When when I was younger, the dinosaur that we that we had in this place was the Brontosaurus, the the Thunder Lizard. This was this was our Andre the Giant. This was our King Kong Bundy. This was this was the biggest of the big. This was the gentle giant. When I would play with my plastic dinosaurs, and I was the kind of kid who had had the plastic dinosaurs, I would pick these up. I would pick these up at Long's. Long's Drugs, which is now CVS over on Fourth Street. There. Their toy section had, it had bins with all sorts of like, you know, these generic rubber dinosaurs. And I could usually, I could usually convince my folks to go up on a rubber dinosaur. They, they were like two bucks. Who's gonna, who's gonna complain about that? It's two dollars to keep your kid quiet at the drugstore. It's, it's well worth it. I plan on talking about the, the Long's toy section at some point. I, I have a pretty vivid memory of, of that place. I would go there, I'd go there all the time with my grandpa. My grandpa always, he always needed something over there. And he was, he was living with us at, at the time my grandparents were. And I would, I'd spend a lot of time hanging out with him. And we would always head over to Long's. It was, it was just over the hill from where we lived. We would go uh, around this, this windy mountain road to, to lungs, and I could always, I could always talk him into getting me a dinosaur, and the Brontosaurus was, this one wasn't really, like, to scale to the other dinosaurs, I felt like the Brontosaurus was about the same, the same height as the Tyrannosaurus Rex in toy form, and I knew that wasn't right, so I would, I would impart special powers on the Brontosaurus, while I knew that it was supposed to be much, much bigger, so I, I made it much more powerful, and when enraged, he could stomp all the other dinosaurs to dust. I don't really, I don't really think that's how it was in real life. That's how it was in my fantasy, in my fantasy dinosaur realm. I think in real life, the, the Brontosaurus was probably big and probably kind of slow while really strong if it was, if it was attacked by a pack of, you know, 
velociraptors or maybe maybe a tyrannosaurus rex on its own in a bad mood they they probably would get torn to shreds i would imagine they could they could thrash around with that with that neck and and kind of dislodge the velociraptor from its sides but in the end they probably would fall but in my heart he would always win he would always end up like stomping on the other ones that's how that's how i kind of would play dinosaurs they would they would just bump bump into each other because there weren't any any points of articulation they would just like bump into each other and then eventually i i started working my action figures into the dinosaurs these these ones that were like the predator ones with the big open fangs were they were hollow because i guess they wanted to you know save on manufacturing so i would i would have them eat like star wars guys or like playmobile guys i'd jam them i jam them into the mouth a couple times ended up losing guys in the bottom of a t-rex or whatever but uh that's the price you pay. Let's move forward in the list and find out what is the... It's going to be the number three dinosaur of all the times. Number three. Extracting species profile. Stegosaurus is a genus of thyreophoran dinosaur. They were large, heavily built, herbivorous quadrupeds with a distinctive combination of broad, upright armor plates and a tail tipped with spikes. The number three dinosaur of all the times is... It's the Stegosaurus. The Stegosaurus is the one that's long. It's on four legs. It has it has a spiky tail. It has a tail with like two two large spikes on it, a long a long tail, and then up its back, it has like these rigid of um I don't know if you'd call them spiky. That has these defensive bone protrusions, and then it um goes down to a very very small head. The Stegosaurus is known to be the dumbest. One of the dumbest of all the dinosaurs. You can tell this by the by the small size of its head. Its head looks like, compared to the rest of its body, the head is about, it seems relative to a cantaloupe. You know, maybe maybe cantaloupe size, maybe watermelon size. The, the stegosaurus is, I believe, like 20, 25 feet long. So the head is probably, probably bigger than a cantaloupe. So I, I don't know, maybe even bigger than a watermelon. It might be... I, I can't say. Let's say five feet. Why am I dwelling so long on the sides of the head of the Stegosaurus? It can't be five feet if it's only 26 feet. At any rate, the Stegosaurus is the biggest of the of the Stegosaur type of dinosaur. It it roamed North America. It was it was a herbivore. It had um I wouldn't call it a long neck. It was not a was not a giraffe-like neck, but it was it was a bit of a long, bendy neck that it would use to get down and eat things, eat things on the ground. You, when you think about that, you see how it would be bent forward and it would be eating. And these these bony protrusions on the back would be the perfect thing to defend itself from something coming down to chomp on it. It would wouldn't be like a cactus, but the idea is very cactus-like. While while the fruit is delicious, it's covered with spines, and you have to find some way past the spines but then do not discount that spiky tail i love an animal that has an actual weapon and this dude has this dude has a spiky ball thing that what do you call that it's not a mace it's a flail it has it has essentially a an organic flail it can it can impale you with these two long spikes and you gotta think this is this is the animal world. This is not the people world. In the people world, if you get if you get spiked, unless it unless it hits a vital spot, unless it goes through your heart, they can 
they can do a lot to help you at the doctor. They can sew up your insides. They can they can give you antibiotics to help fight off the fight off the infection. But in the animal world, where you walk around in the woods and you sometimes roll around in the dirt, if you get if you get stuck with something, that could very well be it for you. That could be a wrap. Not only not only would the wound have the potential to kill you on the spot, the infection the infection is definitely going to get the hold. Dinosaurs don't have antibiotics. This this spiky tail is it's a massive weapon. That's what that's what I like about the Stegosaurus. I love an animal that evolves a way to have a weapon of its own. So with all that said, that is why the Stegosaurus is number three. Let's jump ahead and find out what is what is number two. Number two. Extracting species profile. Triceratops, a horned and armored genus of herbivorous ceratopsid from the late Cretaceous period of North America. The number two dinosaur of all the times is, is the Triceratops. The Triceratops is, it's the one that was down on four legs and it had it had some big horns in the front. It had like it had like a ridge of bone and stuff around its head that like circled its head, like kind of like a ring that you put on a dog when it had surgery and you wanna you wanna keep it from biting itself. It has like it's not conical, it's flat, but it is it's similar to that, and it has it has some giant horns up on his head. I have to say, the the race between the Stegosaurus and the Triceratops was it was super close because I like them. I like them both a lot. But I believe that the Triceratops is the dinosaur most likely to kill a Tyrannosaurus Rex of the two between the Stegosaurus and the Triceratops. I can see the uh, T-Rex the coming from coming from above down, down onto the Triceratops who at the last second raises his head up and he impales him on the two head ones and then also also on the on the nose horn much like much like Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin in their in their movie The Edge the one where the one where they're trapped out in the Alaskan wilderness because they're both in love with Elle McPherson and a a bear comes after them and as the bear as the bear lunges they raise a spear and it goes right into it I could see I could see a triceratops pulling off this maneuver and it and it being successful I imagine this I imagine this happened more than once. If the if the T-Rex couldn't come, couldn't come from behind. It had to it had to face the front. I don't even know if it would go for it. Maybe maybe it's not too smart. I don't know. I don't think that any of the dinosaurs were like super smart. In the in Jurassic Park, they show you like how the velociraptors have they have like super intelligence, but I don't know about all that. I I, I, I think the Velociraptors are weird, and I, I, I want to say this before I continue on with the Triceratops for a little bit. I, I don't even remember hearing about this dinosaur when I was when I was young dinosaur book boy. I never, ever saw them. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't, they didn't register. But once once they were introduced into Jurassic Park, they became, they became like the dinosaur jam. They became like the deadliest. They weren't, they weren't as big and as vicious as a T-Rex. They were they were more small and ferocious and they would they would come upon a larger dinosaur in packs and that was that was far more deadly than the lone the lone T-Rex. They were so bad that they managed to turn the T-Rex baby face. The T-Rex was always the biggest dinosaur heel and when the Velociraptors came along, they turned him face. That's how bad they were, but they weren't 
They weren't a dinosaur from a youth. They don't resonate the way that the way that other dinosaurs like the Triceratops do. The Triceratops was he was in like the holy trinity of dinosaurs, as far as I was concerned. There were there were like the Justice League of Dinosaurs with the Stegosaurus, the Triceratops, and the Brontosaurus. They were they were like the three the three main good guys. I again I dig a dinosaur that has a weapon, and those those three horns on the front are like a triple blade of death. The, the Tyrannosaurus rates, it rates super high on my list, man. It's the number two. There is only one. There is only one dinosaur out there that I think is cooler than the Triceratops. Let's, let's jump into it. Let's find out what is number one. And finally, number one. Extracting species profile, Ankylosaurus is a genus of armored dinosaur and is a member of the family Ankylosauridae from the late Cretaceous period. My number one most favorite dinosaur of all of time in space is the Ankylosaurus. I used to call it the Ankylosaurus when I was a kid. That is, that is still what I call it in my head, the, the Ankylosaurus. The Ankylosaurus is, it's small and it's down low on the ground, kind of like, kind of like a turtle, but not really like a turtle that's more, more like football shaped rather than, rather than like circular shape. And all along, all along its outside, it has, it has spiky protrusions and then, then the thing that is my favorite thing in all of, all of dinosaurdom. It has a giant, a giant tail with a big bony ball at the end. It has, it has a mace. It's like a dwarf with a mace. I love this dinosaur so much. It was, it was like love at first sight. The first time I saw this guy, I'm like, what an amazing underdog. It's small, it's, it's slow, but it has a lethal weapon. It doesn't have, doesn't have like a spiky weapon like some of the other guys. It has a knockout punch. I love nothing more than a one punch knockout artist. This is, this is my dude for sure. I would, I would have him battling all the other dinosaurs and he would always be like getting beat down, getting beat down, but somehow being defensive and somehow surviving when all of a sudden he'd swing that tail around, connect right on the jaw instant knockout and he wasn't he wasn't a killer in my in my dinosaur play world he was he would knock you out admonish you tell you you know leave me alone in the future or you'll get one of those and then he would he would bone out he wouldn't like mash its head into into uh into goulash he would he would knock him out bounce hit the road i have i have a few toy ankylosauruses even even to this day i have a i have an 80s rubber one i have a few i have a few plastic ones you find a lot of a lot a lot a lot of plastic dinosaurs at the dig and you find a lot of plastic dinosaurs at the at the flea market and if it happens to be an ankylosaurus it's coming home it's coming home with me i just i like this guy i like the design i like so many things about this this underdog of the dinosaur world. So there you have it, dude. That's that's my top five list of dinosaurs. The best, the best dinosaurs of all the time. But they are not the only dinosaurs out there. Let's take, let's take a few minutes and send some, uh, well, not even a few minutes. Let's take a few seconds and send some shout outs to dinosaurs that didn't make the list. 
pterodactyls, you're in the house. You 2.0's favorite dinosaur, but you didn't make the list. You're cool. Maybe on the deals, Nick. You fly, but you didn't make the list. Velociraptors, you're in the house. You got that big push from Jurassic Park, but I'm not. I was the kid when Jurassic Park came out. I was an adult, so you're not. You're not in my heart, but you're still, you're still in the house. The Pachycephalosaurus. I don't even know if that's how I say your name because I've never heard anybody say it out loud, but you got you got this giant dome pan. It looks like looks like you got a frying pan on your head that you would use to deliver a knockout head, but I gotta I gotta give it up to you. You are definitely in the house. The Allosaurus, you're in the house, you're like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, but you're smaller, you're faster. You're a bit meaner. You're in the house. You didn't make the list, but you're definitely, definitely in the house. Man, there are so many cool dinosaurs out there that I got to say every dinosaur that ever walked the face of the earth, you were all, you were all in the house. Please drop by supportthereport.com and consider becoming a show patron for as low as a measly dollar a month. It's the right thing to do. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment. The Icy Robots Radio Pop Culture slash Toy News slash Other Boring Stuff Informational Moment. All right, it is me and we are back. We are back for... We're back for what is the final segment of the show. This is where... This is where I talk about things I got, things I read, things... Things like that. It can either... It can either go really long or it can sometimes be really short. This time I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I'm going to, first I'm going to tell a story and I want you to tell me what, what you think. And then I'll talk about a couple things I got and we'll, we'll take it from there. We'll wing it. We'll Deborah wing it, dude. We'll see what, we'll see what's happening. So, so dig this. I, I walk my dog. I walk my dog every day. You guys, you guys know this. So I'm out there, you know, I'm out there. I'm on the streets. I'm on the streets of Rakin Valley. I see... I see what's going on on that level. And what I see is, I see litter from time to time. And when I do, if I, if I feel like I can do so without getting scummed up, I'll, I'll pick it up. I pick up, you know, plastic bottles or cans and stuff. It's, it's up to us to fight the war on litter. And I'm, you know, a street soldier. I'm down there. I'm out there, out there amongst the peeps. And I see the stuff and I do what I, I do what I can. Litter bothers me. Litter really bothers me. I realize that sometimes, like, things get away from you. You know, things blow out of the back of your truck or they they just get away. And I, I realize that is, that's an unescapable fact of life and there is nothing that you can do about it. But I hate it when, I hate it when people leave things on the ground and just walk away from them as if, as if somebody else is there to clean up after them. And I guess, I guess I'm doing that, so maybe I'm compounding it, but I hate it. I hate the laziness that just leaves somebody to toss their bottle on the ground, to leave their fast food bag on the street. I hate it. It drives me nuts. I I like to have a nice, clean neighborhood. You know, I want it to be, I want it to be nice when I'm walking around. I want to, I got nice scenery. It's nice weather. It's great. I want to, I want to keep it clean as well. So I'm out, I'm out walking the dog, right? I'm going, I'm going past the school and I'm just like, I'm heading out past where Oak Park used to be before the, uh, before the fire, and there is this mom and this kid up ahead of me, there's like a group of people, something, 
something must have been going on at the school. So there's like this little small groups of people walking up ahead, and I see I see this kid. He has a Gatorade bottle. I'm not you know I'm not paying any attention to it. But when you're out with the dog, it does make sense to pay attention to your surroundings more so than if you're just walking around because you don't know you don't know what's going to happen, and you're responsible for for their well being. So I'm I'm looking around, you know, and I. I see the kid, he's like drinking this red Gatorade and he's walking along and then he, he takes the last swig and he just tosses the bottle over his shoulder. And I'm just like, what a pig, what a, what an absolute creep. So I'm, I'm walking along and then when I get to where the bottle is, I, I pick it up. It's, it's trash day. So all I got to do is toss it into um, somebody's recycling, recycling thing. Cause they're all out. It's not a big deal, but I'm. I pick it up and I'm walking along and they're they're like super slow. The kid keeps messing around with his feet and just just being slow. I would guesstimate he was somewhere in the eight eight to ten year old range. Not not um not a teen or anything like that. Still still a uh, still a small youth and he is having a hard time paying attention on his forward progress. So I I get up there. I get up I catch up to them, which I which I don't like to do. Usually I'll lay back in the cut when I have the dog. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. It's best best to leave a few body lengths between you and, and other people. So I do I do catch up because they're just going so so darn slow. I'd have to be like, I'd have to be at a complete halt for a while. And when I catch up to the kid, I'm thinking like, I'm going to, I'm going to show him a lesson. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to as a polite citizen, I'm going to, I'm going to teach him a lesson. And I go, Hey there, hey there, sport. I actually said sport. I go, hey, sport, I saw I saw that you dropped this back there. I said, you want to make sure not to litter. It's up to us to keep Santa Rosa clean. Everybody has to do their part. And I handed it to him, and he looked he looked all weirded out. And I get it. I get it. No one wants no one wants some strange weirdo talking to him. But I'm a nice guy. I look like a nice guy. I got a nice dog. I'm walking along. And I felt that I should try to impart this impart this wisdom on this kid. I tried to do it in a way. So it's kind of on the low key and his his parents won't hear. I don't want to make a I don't want to make a scene about it, but I want him to know, you know, people are uh people care about their neighborhoods and stuff. So I say that to him and then they're walking along and he just took the bottle and he, you know, he took it back in his hand. He was gonna do whatever he's gonna do with it. But he's he's walking along and then I I see him start to he starts talking to his mom, which is, you know, again, completely understandable. You should always always tell what happens when a stranger talks to you. You know, you can't keep these things, can't keep these things to yourself. So I see him talking to his mom and she, she turns to me and she goes, this wasn't his bottle. He found it on the ground. He was just playing with it. And I say, okay, fair enough. I apologize. I'll, I'll throw it in, in one of the bins and I stick my hand out and I'm being, I am being polite as can be. When I, when I have, you know, I don't want to say confrontations like this. I try to, I try to just be Super polite, super nice, and I feel as if no matter what happens, as long as I, you know, remain myself and I remain polite and I remain a good person, I will always, I will always come on top. It's ethics. Got to maintain your ethics. So I'm like, it's okay. I'll take it from you. Don't worry. And I stick my hand out and she goes, oh, we'll take care of it. But you have to know he found it on the ground. He found it. It's not his. I, I maintain myself that if you... If you pick something up, it's now it's now your responsibility, I think. I think that I pick up these bottles and I throw them in the garbage. It would not be cool of me to pick up litter off the ground and then just deposit it somewhere else on the ground. It's weird. It's lazy. If you got it, do the right thing. Just see it through. Just see it through. Why'd you pick it up in the first place? It's now, it's now yours. And 
I think that you, in fact, become the litter bug. And then, then I started thinking to myself, I saw the kid drink from this. I saw him drink, and I'm behind them, and I don't know, I don't know if they think that I'm following them or whatever, but she turns around and she says, he found it on the ground. It wasn't even his. And I go, ma'am, I saw him take a drink from the bottle. I finally, I finally had to say something. I go, ma'am, I saw him take a drink. And when I said that, she got this look. She got this look like her eyes got all big, like, uh uh-oh, what just happened? Not that I, not that I got them. Not that I got the zing. I got the win. I think that, in fact, he did pick the bottle up from the ground. I think she was telling the truth, but I think he picked the bottle up from the ground and drank it. I think he drank the last swig, and she realized that, and she's like, oh, no, what happened? And I, at this point, I I turned the corner. It was my turn to, you know, go off the other way, so I just, I just went off the other way, and I'm like, what a weird scene. Now, I maintain that if you pick up the litter, it is now your responsibility as a citizen to put it where it goes. If you, if you throw it on the ground, you are, in fact, now littering. You are re-littering. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on the tweets. Hit me up on Twitter at robots. I-S-E-E robots. As if I am looking in the distance, I see robots. Let me know on Facebook. Facebook.com backslash robots. Leave a comment in the episode post. Get a hold of me. I am curious. What do you guys think? I hope there's no litter bugs out there. If you guys are litter bugs, you know, this is your chance. Change your ways. There are there are better ways to go through life. There used to there used to be this guy who lived in my neighborhood. I would see him all the time when I was out walking the dog. He was he was a small fella, very very elfish, and he had long he had long white hair that he would wear in a ponytail. Very very elven. I I think he couldn't have been taller than four foot eleven, but he was very slender, very small, very very much like Lord of the Rings style elf, very much like Orlando Bloom or whoever it was that was that was in that flick. I haven't seen the Lord of the Rings. It's not. It's not my thing. I'm not the biggest fantasy guy in the world. So this guy, he used to walk around the hood and he had, he had a stick with a nail in it and he would use it to pick up litter as he went along and he had a little bag. And I've always, I've always admired what this guy is doing. And in my way, when I pick up a can or whatever, I I feel as if I'm, you know, I'm carrying on his, his legacy. I haven't seen this guy in years. He must've, he must've passed away. He could've, could've moved away, I guess. He doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to have to be gone, but, um, let me know what you think, at Icy Robots, I-S-E-E-R-O-B-O-T-S, what else is going on, let's, let's talk about a couple things I picked up, and then, then we'll, we'll scoot up, we'll scoot up out of here, the, the big 40 and 8 flea market was the other day here in, here in town, that's at the, that's at the Vets building, it's a lot of fun, we go, we go to every single one, I think I've missed a couple over the years, but we do, we do our best to go to every every single one, and I got I got a couple action figures. I got a few, um, well, two. I got two Star Trek: The Next Generation action figures by by good old Playmates. Have you seen that episode of the Is it the Toys That Made Us on on uh, Netflix with with the big talk about um Star Trek toys? That was that was awesome. Sorry, I got I got a weird sidetrack there, but I got I got two of them. The first one I got is the Borg, and he's just like. A standard army builder Borg type. I already have, I already have one of these. I really like these figures. If I, if I see him at the flea, I always pick him up. If we're on the card and they only cost a couple dollars, I will, I'll always pick him up. It's fun to open him up and play with them. It gets like um a nice little, nice little pick me up, you know, to have an action figure to, to open up if you're, 
if you're feeling a bit down, and we all sometimes do. So I got a Borg. I already have a Borg, but now I have now I have two. I have one of two and two of two of the of Unimatrix Zero. And then this one, this one I really like. I got Gowron the Klingon. He is the leader of the Klingon High Council. He's that guy who was, you know, he's in the Klingon battle armor in the next generation. He has the big, the big googly eyes, and the action figure also, also has the googly eyes. It's a very, very nice likeness. He also comes with, like, some kind of a Klingon hound. What is it called? A, well, it does not say what the, the hound is called, but he does come with a ceremonial pain stick, a war club, and also, also his blaster. And this, this dog, the, the accessories for these are always one color. They're never... They're never, like, detailed or painted in any way. And the color they pick for them is always, always so goofy. These are, these are golden. I read somewhere, I think it was in Toy Fair magazine. They said that, they said that the reason they use these goofy colors is they were trying to get the figures out as fast as they possibly could after, after the episode aired. And in doing so, they got a lot of speed, but they had to give up a lot of, a lot of details to the, to the accessories. It says here on the back that this beast is called, it's called a Targ. It's a Klingon pet, known as the most vicious and loyal friend a Klingon could have. Who else comes in? Who else comes in this, uh, this line? There's Captain Jean-Luc, Deanna Troy, Data, Worf, Riker with a ripped up shirt. I have, I have all of those. And then Jordy LaForge, I have him, I have the Borg. I do not have the Ferengi or the Romulan, but they now have Galron, the Klingon. So I gotta, I gotta keep my eye, my eye out for those two. These are fun. They're fun to open. I like... Each one comes with a base, which I think is really neat. Then the base is like, it's uh, the shape of a Starfleet symbol. If you're in Starfleet, the Borg one is the Borg symbol. The Klingon one is a Klingon symbol. They they make neat little decorations for a, for a Trek. You can actually turn those into Christmas ornaments and they would, they would look all right. The Borg is neat. You can take his hand off and he has two separate hands. One of them is a laser ray and the other is a shield generator. Both of those are fun. I... I like the Borg. I've watched a lot of Star Trek, and I can say I do not know the origin of the Borg. I do not. I should. I I would imagine it was talked about in one of the movies, one of the Borg Queen, but I don't know, man. I'm not I'm not the big movie fan. I like the shows. I watch the shows over and over and over again. I tend to I tend to see the movies maybe once, twice, and then I don't know. They they don't do it as much for me as the, the just the episodes. I, li- I like the format. What else did I get over there? Oh yeah, I got a, I got a comic. I got two copies of the same comic. It is, it is Cheryl Blossom number one. This is the first series Cheryl Blossom number one. Cheryl Blossom is, she's a character in the Archieverse. She's played by Madeline Petch in the, in the show Riverdale. She's, she's the red-headed vixen. She's the one who's the bombshell. She's Cheryl Bombshell on the show. She's, she's really like, She's really like the breakout character in all this. But ever since she's been incepted into the Archie universe, she's she's been around. She's been on the sidelines. Every once in a while she comes in and she she makes a move on Archie or whatever. But when they when they got the show, Madeline Petch did such a such a breakout performance. Cheryl Blossom is like she's climbed up the ladder a lot, like a lot. The the first appearance of Cheryl Blossom back in I think it was 89 is that's like a hundred, two hundred dollar comic book right now. This, this is not the one that I got. Cheryl Blossom number one. It's not the first appearance of Cheryl Blossom, like I said. But a lot of, a lot of times, first issues do have, 
do have a significance to people, even if it's not the first appearance. So this is like a $60 book, and I was able to get two of them for for a dollar each. I, I'm pretty stoked on this. It's not it's not like a Earth Base One wall book. I have a wall with all of my super deaf comics, but it is. It is a garage wall comics. I have I have all all the gems are inside the office and out in the out in the garage is the you know the rank and file issues all all kept in order and stuff and I I have a wall in there as well. And this will this will be a nice wall book for in there. When I see it, it'll be cool. I'll be happy. I got one for me and then I got one that I can either either I can sell or maybe I can trade somewhere down the line. I don't know. It's it's a fun book. A while back, this is this is before Riverdale, when I first started to get into Archies and stuff. I was I was looking for some Archie first appearances on eBay, and the the Archie characters have been around for so long that you could never you could never get your hands on Pep Number One. It's just the first appearance of Archie and Veronica. I mean Archie and Betty. Then Veronica came soon after, and then Jughead. This like these are comics from so far back in the day that. You would need to have a museum budget to get your hands on these. The only ones I found that you could get was the first appearance of Kevin Keller, who is also on Riverdale, or the first appearance of Cheryl Blossom. And and when I was looking at the Cheryl Blossom, it was like it was like seven or eight dollars. I was like, who wants the first appearance of Cheryl Blossom? Little did I know that uh this book would be through the roof. It is it is white hot. It is it's up there. Let's let's see what else is going on. I got all that fun stuff. Oh, got a new Got a new iTunes review this week. And this is, this is a way you can help out the show without having to put any dough out. You can hop on over, look us up. It's Icy Robots Radio. And just tell us what you think. Write a review. Give us a big five stars. And I'll read it on the show. I'll do it. I'll read it. And I'll, you'll become famous. You'll become the most famous dude that's ever been. This is a five-star review. It's from Rick in New Jersey. What's up, Rick? Point your podcast device towards Jupiter and get ready to bring some nerd nostalgia. These podcasts will make your week a little less weak, guaranteed. It's a great escape from whatever may be bringing you down. E-L-E. Everybody love everybody. That's the that's the motto here on the show. Rick, thanks, man. I really, I, I absolutely appreciate that. I appreciate those kind words. I appreciate you taking the time. I want, want you all to do the same. Be like Rick. Be like our man Rick. Give something else to someone for once. Don't be... Don't be so selfish. Go give us an iTunes review. And um, I hope that I hope that we're making your week a little less weak this week, Rick. I hope that, well, first of all, I hope your week's not weak. I hope your week is fine. I hope your week is great. And that we're elevating it up into up into another another stratosphere of fun. But I do, I do appreciate those kind words from the bottom of my heart. Thanks a bunch. Thanks a bunch, Rick. So what else is going on? You gotta make sure to hop on over to Classic Wrestling Matches and Mags over over on Facebook. It's, it's one of my favorite Facebook pages. There are all these awesome, awesome pictures from these these 80s wrestling magazines. I saw a picture of Magnum TA the other day. I saw a picture of Abdullah the Butcher, Tully Blanchard, the horseman. It's all all that cool stuff. Back from when back from when wrestling was real or at the very least you had some you had some reason to think it's real it's classic wrestling matches and mags over on facebook just type that in type that into the search bar and you'll you'll go right there give them give them a thumbs up they're a big big show supporter besides having a really really fun page of their of their own i 
I can't say enough about it. I, I like wrestling a lot, but I don't like it so much like it is now. I hear that, I hear that refrain a lot. And this, this will take you back to when, back in when it was super fun. Dudes were covered with blood. Dudes were fighting in jeans with the pockets cut off. Dudes were hitting each other with cowboy boots. All that fun stuff we used to know and love. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think we're gonna call it a day. I think that, I think that I got, I got enough of it out of my, out of my system this week. So, so for me, for Engineer Emily, A.B. Silver, Johnny Five, somewhere out there, our, our big dude, Iceberg 13, for, for everybody out there who's a, who's a big show supporter, you know, Gabe, Engineer Nerd, Lamar the Revenger, Vic Sage, Gino Vega, just... Everybody, Mighty Matt D, Ferg, uh, who else? I don't want to leave anybody out. I, I hate it every time I start doing this because then I start thinking, what if I leave somebody out and their feelings get hurt? I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Phil, Phil Carey, I don't know. Everybody in the world is now included in the, in the end of the show shout out. I'm including everyone in the world. Doug McCoy, everyone you can imagine, imagine you're in it. So, for all those people out there, I'm signing off. This is me, Icy Robots. This is episode of the Toy Story Report number 158. We'll be back next week talking about talking about Jurassic Jurassic World. So until then, if you don't know, now you know. Make sure to tell a friend. This has been an IC Robots Radio production. IC Robots Radio is a listener-supported indie If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week. E-L-E. That's right, E-L-E. What does the L.E. stand for? Everybody love everybody. Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. This is 36 KICU, San Jose, San Francisco, Oakland.